Sir Isaac Newton. The sir is important. Sir Sir Isaac Newton is um one of the best scientific minds, one of the greatest Top out there. Ten out of ten. And, um, one. That's why I wanted to start it with Sir Isaac Newton, but I made a mistake, and I really should have started it with Galileo Galilei. But whatever. I like Galileo. Galileo was pretty good, and so we're actually going to have to start with Galileo a little bit to preamble into Sir Isaac. But we're you know. Galileo's life only has two notable mentions. I mean, Sir Isaac's got two notable mentions too, but like two, yeah, half an hour long notable mentions. So here we are. Uh, yes, as Eric just mentioned, these episodes are now shorter because it's um, a little bit more denser material. History you can kind of listen to and understand, unless you're talking about Constantinople, then it's it's confusing. Sorry, um, but for the most part, science in this stuff is very confusing, and I'm trying to brace you because everything that we learn in the previous episode in the next episode is just basically going to get torn apart so what like, that's how science works it's like oh yeah we finally figured out how this works next episode is going to be like oh we've well, anything everything that they just figured out is a lie take that so. da Vinci. but uh every episode here we're starting from sir isaac newton going to neil armstrong we're going to cover moon guy. the advances in science that led us to the moon yay it's fun so here we are with sir isaac newton and, and uh, Galileo first, and and Galileo, yeah. So Galileo Galilei, um, cool name. He's the the first man to really look at the stars, and realize that God was wrong, which is <sighs> kind of fun. He, he looked I, up and he saw the planets, and he was like, "Wait a minute, that's not God's what God wrong. said. God yeah. said we were the center of the universe." Yeah, and he's like, "Well, that oh, if we're no. the center, then why are you Saturn all the way over there?" And yeah, prove that over here, God. Anyway. Yeah, so he like he he drew a star map and he was based on the current positions of the stars because he had a telescope and he had finally been able to like look up and he was like neat, I get neat it. Neat gas the ball. Earth at the center don't make sense. So hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he he basically yeah like I said realized God was wrong and uh, he had this whole path to the moon really started with him with for him being a, like God's wrong for a good. But, like, kind of brief explanation of that. L- read the very first chapter of A Brief History of Time <laughs> by, uh, what's that guy's name? Wheelchair guy? Oh. Um, Stephen Hawking. Yeah, Stephen Hawking. We, really not Professor Galileo. <laughs> yeah. So, the first chapter of his book is all about Galileo. And yeah, how he, he, he was really likes him. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, if you, that's a, that's a good thing to check out. Um, another thing, if you, just to, you know, skip the explanation as best as we can. So... He used a telescope, which wasn't a very good telescope. It's like a pretty, you know, he could see closer. But not that close. But, but it wasn't really that good. And there was also a problem. Every single thing that he looked at had a color fringe around the outside. So oh, it seemed no. like it emitted color, but it even if it didn't. So he looked up and he traced the, um, over time he traced the stars and the planets around him. And knew what the planets were and everything. And, you know, the sky was a lot easier to see back then so they could tell. Uh, a lot of this stuff. Yeah, because there was less smog. And so he, he traced the planets and the sun and the earth in consideration of all this. So we didn't just accept the the uh, common known idea that the Even earth against was the, the norms. He didn't yeah. just be like, well, everyone else said it, so it's true. So he drew it out. And then he was like, well, it's pretty obvious if you look at the stars and the planets that if we were the center, things would look a lot different. So there's We'd something wrong. We'd be dead. Here. Yeah, and so that's that's what he did. He looked up and he was like, mm, "Look at that! I can prove it." And God's wrong, but he didn't really say Whoa. God's wrong because if he said God's wrong, then that would be like a big murder problem. time. But I bet you're wondering what time this was at because 
for a long time, like I thought Galileo was like ish. Greek. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was like an ancient Greek, but then, you know, obviously I'm dumb. I didn't think he was Greek. I thought he I was I thought Greek. he was like uh, Italian. <clears throat> yeah. He's uh, around the Renaissance and the Scientific Revolution. So yeah. Galileo, uh, before before Isaac Newton, there was, um, or Sir Isaac Newton, sorry. There, there was, was nothing. There was two scientists who really changed, like between the Greeks science, which was prior to, uh, you know, the birth of Christ, essentially, at mm. zero. Yeah. <laughs> so, sounds weird to say. Um, there was the Greeks, basically Aristotle f- was the, the teacher of everything. They all went off of Aristotle. And then we have uh, Galileo Galilei and Rene Descartes. Those are the two scientists before Isaac Newton. So, Galileo Galilei, 1564 to 1643. Yo. And Rene Descartes, 1596 to 1650. Ooh. Now, the dates here, if I, like, if you ever have memorized Galileo's life or death or whatever, I don't know, you might realize it's a relatable bit comedy time. So, um, Galileo's life was recorded in. The, so there's the Caesar calendar, and then there's like the modern calendar, and so there's a bunch of calendar nonsense, which the dates don't always line up. But modern time, he was uh, 1564 to 1643. That's the modern calendar. Yeah. A lot of things consider other modern, like, calendars to be modern. Yeah, the calendars are weird anyway. And if you're listening in, like, Mongolia, then just... Thank you, that's, first of all. Yeah, thanks. But also, like, you use a different... I'm pretty sure Mongolia does. They use, like, a completely different calendar. So there's... What? Like, it's like the year 3000 and something. Whoa. You know? the, yeah, they... Yo. Calendars I, are different all around the world. So can just, I time travel this just by going to Mongolia? the American-British calendar? No. <laughs> no. Oh. Anyway. Man. Rene Descartes was uh, 1596 to 1650, and Isaac was born the year that Galileo died, oh, that's, which is 1643. It's kind of odd. So, yeah, Galileo understood basically two things, but he never found the answers for these two things. One, uh, two ob- two, sorry, two abwas, two aquas, <laughs> two objects always dropped at the sp- same speed, no matter the weight. Yeah, that makes which sense. Which was, people didn't know that at the time, you know. If you told someone that you were to drop, you know... Um, Let's say you got a bedpan full of urine and then one full of stool. They drop at the same rate. That's not a good <laughs> analogy. <laughs> Probably how he tested it. No. He's, he just had a bunch of different weights. You know, he's like, here's a 10 kilogram weight and a 25 kilogram weight. Well, they hit the ground at the same time. That's weird. You know, at the same... You you told huh. someone, you were like, if I jumped off this building at the same time as this... Toddler. This... You know, screw, I'd hit the ground Whoa. at the same time as a tiny screw. Huh. Or if I dropped a screw off the building and, you know, dropped a... What's big at that time? A horse? Yo. It would land at the same time. People were like, that's false. And then Galileo proved it. Hmm. So, that was Thanks, Galilee. Yeah, Galileo did that. Uh, and he also proved the... Um, the gravity around the sun. But he did... He, not gravity, sorry. The orbit around the sun. But he never understood either of those. Uh, Rene Descartes, uh, basically like a lot of other people we'll talk about in this whole series, stole his one name to fame, which was the Cartesian coordinate system. Oh, yeah. Shout from someone who the... didn't publish the ideas previously. So, like, uh, the Cartesian coordinate system is basically like the grids you look at in math all the time. You know, like X, Y, you yeah. know, like plus one, yeah, minus yeah. one, you know, quadrant one, two, three, four. X, Y, Z. Yeah. He supposedly developed it so like in the time he was like look at this graph i made and everyone was like neat 
And then but, we look back on it and we're like, oh, this guy was making graphs in like 300 because... Yeah, basically he just saw someone else do it and he was like, well, he can't read, so I'll write it down and then he'll get all new women. Close enough. Yay. It's like a, a thousand year difference. Opposite of today. Where um, math gets you girls. Here's a, an interesting thing a lot of people don't know about because they're ignorant white people, I suppose. Yeah, you how, sluts. That's how, you know, history, everyone's like, oh, yeah. You know, science began with white people. No, science really began in the Middle East around the time that the white people were slaves and didn't know what, um, you know, serfs as in slaves. They were Reverse. stuck in the Dark Ages and there was nothing really going on other than a bunch of people being like, wizards. Yo. In the, in the East around uh, the Arabic and Baghdad, actually, you know, there's the whole Baghdad House of Wisdom. There's a bunch of universities that were basically made by people who just went you know wrote books and traded books and they had knowledge and made science thanks well science. europe was basically bathing in its own feces eurocentrism yeah so that's around you know 300 to 700 and now these ideas are being stolen later in about 1400 and 1700 right so yeah so now we can finally get to isaac newton because um Yay. You know, that's that's Rene Descartes. You you owe him the Y equals MX plus B. Thing. Kind of. Basi- yeah. He popularized it, so the reason you're doing it in math is because of him. So blame him. Yeah, so get mad at him whenever you're mad at math. Kids. So. Are there kids listening? I don't know. <laughs> so You're very lost, kid. Isaac Newton. He was born on the 4th of January, 1643. That's a common calendar of Europe. Uh, apparently, he was premature. And uh, very small when what, he lived. Oh, he was just tiny. Yeah. I didn't know what premature was. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a baby. Of course he's premature. He's Yeah, he's not a. An he's adult. not mature yet. He's going to be mature. So. He's a baby. Um, from an early age, he read one book in particular, which was called The Mysteries of Nature and Art. And he, he studied it a lot and, you know, huh. read it a lot. Uh, it influenced many of his studies and uh, basically painted him as a person of higher intellect I suppose at the time because most children weren't reading especially the most like peasant children I mean he wasn't like a peasant but most children most children were you know while he was reading this book on mysteries of nature he was like they were like look at how big this stick is I got yeah (laughs) let me see how many times I can whack my brother with it before he goes ow it's my science apparently it's one yeah (laughs) so surprising that's what yeah 17th century nonsense, I suppose, children's stuff. You know 17th century. Right? Just 17th century things. So, sadly, Isaac's father, Isaac Newton's father, died before he was born. And when looking he was... A good dad? Or was he like a good guy? Or I just, don't know. He just dead? They just know he died. All right, he dead. And when he was three years old, his mother remarried and then left him with his grandparents. Rip. Yeah. He admitted to wanting to burn his mother and stepfather alive in a sin journal. It's kind of fun. He kept, sin like, a, journal. Yeah, he kept a journal of like all his sins that he'd done over Yo. the years. And, like, he's like, I thought about burning my mom and stepdad. Screw them. That's kind of fun. I want to make a sin journal. <laughs> <laughs> really? I just want one. It's funny. I'll leave it empty yeah. for suspense, but <laughs> they just keep flipping through it. Right in the middle, gonna it's going to be like, burn. <laughs> just the word burn. Yeah. I'll fill it up with something. Other than that, um, as I, I'm sure you got some sins. Eric. Other than that, <laughs> wow, it's a good segue. Other than that, <laughs> as a kid, he played uh, a little bit with engineering. 
So he built like little boats and kites and stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's normal kid stuff. He's not like welding normal a dune kid stuff. buggy. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's I thought when you were like playing <laughs> with engineering. It's <laughs> like, what? Yeah. No, he just like little kid stuff. Not a little bit more advanced than than usual. He apparently tied like candles to kites and, and scared people with that because they were like, oh my God, there's flying burning kites and he's like look at this neat thing i made so what kind of yeah. weird ass kid i don't know i made the sky fire yeah <laughs> he's so weird gaze upon yeah. it i wish it was my mom um he also built windmills which were kind of cool oh. not easy to build so yeah yeah and at around age 12 he was educated at the king's school in uh, grantham uh, he was removed from the school later though where his mother who was now widowed a second time Tried to make him a farmer, and he basically declined. He was like, no, I don't want to be that farmer. I'm not a farmer. And his his mother's like, nope, you're going to be a farmer, Isaac. I choose that life for you. And then the master at the school basically came, and he was like, why is Isaac not at school? And she's like, oh, he's a farmer now. And he's like, what the girl, bitch, you... Girl, bitch, you You can clean up your stuff and things. Yeah. They're like, Isaac's literally a genius, and you're like, farmer. Imagine so. if, like, right when you started college, your mom was like, "Now nah, you're going to be the garbage man. <laughs> you come yeah. from a long line of garbage men and women. Yes. Garbage people. <laughs> that sounds bad. He's, uh, yeah, his ma- the master of the Ed King School persuaded his mother to send him back, and he returned. After that, he was, um, he became a top-class student. Apparently, he was motivated by revenge to be that so he was like bullied I guess and this case, this really paints a picture of how Isaac Newton is he was like at school he's getting I'll show all on, the jacks and when I like, make g- prisms <laughs> yeah so he he gets picked on and he's immediately like well I'll just get the best grades in the class and then I'll teach him I don't think that's ever worked but but no okay. he's extremely famous more famous than dude who picked on him in class you mean right Large Thomas. Sorry, dude who picked on him in class was actually Neil Patrick Harris. He aged beautifully. Yeah. Uh so yeah, he's he's a top class student and he built some sundials, which were a little bit more advanced than normal sundials. Like they're oh, like the Newton sundials. The triangle thingy. Yeah, the, those like, are old sundials. He was like, Look at this new sundial, uh, called the Newton sundial. There yeah. Just wearing like a massive stone tablet on his wrist. <laughs> Check Crazy. this out. Uh, so after that, he left for Cambridge University, and um, he he studied lots. <laughs> what are you studying? Lots, lots, <laughs> quite a, yeah, He lots. did uh, math and and um, basically this the university taught Aristotle stuff. So like anything Aristotle did, they studied astrology. No, Aristotle was like they. Philosophy, um, Aristotle, what else did he do? Um, Logic. Oh, it's just, okay. Like standard stuff like that. And like math. You know, Aristotle was like, look at this cube. Mm." So That's a nice cube. (laughs) I don't know a lot about Aristotle, but I know that he's uh, big on philosophy. And and basically, most colleges in the Renaissance were based off of him. Universities. Nice. Yeah. But in uh, Cambridge University... Around 1660, he was like the opposite of a standard college student, which is not very far off from a college student today. So, like, college students were like, I was just trying to, like, find myself. So, so you know, you know, I did a lot of banging and I did a lot of uh, smoking hemp because that's what they did back then. They smoked hemp. 
like <laughs> they just got a piece of rope and were like, "Yo, this no. is pretty lit, guys." This yeah. sailor's not is uh, getting me picking gun. Meanwhile, like Isaac, literally, he wrote this whole thing. He's like the boys who like women are so distracted that they can't ever do anything good in life. That's why I and like I, men. I focus on meditation and stay away from all types of sexual desire. He actually never had a sexual relationship in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he never did. As much sure. as you want to believe that Isaac was deep in that male thong. It's like an article of clothing. That just means he wore thongs. Yeah, he probably did back then, you know? <laughs> It's probably everyone did. My pantaloons are rather skimpish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, um, and I know immediately you're going to comment on this. He also got very close with another, uh, with his roommate. Um, that's the best way to put it. He was friends with him. He never really, yeah, that's understandable. Got into the business. Yeah. So you can just have a roommate and not be like, mega fuck. <laughs> I was really surprised that you didn't insinuate anything there. No, it's too easy. <laughs> so, yeah, he came very close friends with a boy roommate who's the same age and had the same views and everything. They both, like, hated standard college students who just banged all the time and went out and partied. It's getting harder now. Yeah, he's like, nah, man. It's both a pun and a joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> wow. So, he he just um, doesn't really indulge in anything. He still's got his sin journal, and I imagine he's like, "Oh, it's full." No, <laughs> yo, there was not a blank page in the damn journal. So, yeah, he he wasn't very collegey as far as college goes. So, um, read that in the sin journal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at the start of the university career, he's wor- he's working as a servant, really. No, which <laughs> oh, even no. more insinuation. Sorry, Eric. Did he like dress up as a French maid? No, he just like. <laughs> He's like, give me my papers. And he's like, okay, boss. He goes off to get papers. I don't know if he sounds like, like Oliver that. Twist. It was probably like, twould be my greatest pleasure, friendum. I think he might be gay. <laughs> no one else talks like that. He's like, here. What, what's the sexuality for no sexuality? Asexual. Yeah, he's that. Yeah. He's like, stay away from the gay and the may. And- may. And Aunt May. <laughs> Stay away from Aunt May, everybody. Well, why? You know what She's she like does. A, they feed the homeless and die at the end of the Spider-Man PS4 what? game? Spoiler alert. Fuck you. Why'd you do that? Why? <laughs> why? You, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Moving on. Are you going to cut that? Isaac Newton probably will have to bleep that out. Yeah. Isaac Newton. <laughs> so, it came out a while ago. No. That's rude. So he's working as a servant to pay off his uh, his school for a while, and uh, then he's awarded with a, co- a scholarship that basically lets him complete his master's degree without having to pay anything. Ooh! But in around oh. uh, 1965, the school had to close for a little bit because of the plague. That oh, same plague, the wow. Black Plague. School's so. out for the Black Plague. Yeah, and also at the time he was working on his binomial theorem. So I'm just gonna you know write it out for you. Because uh, it makes a whole lot of sense. So we got we got this whole theorem that he developed. It was uh, yep. x plus y at, to the power of n equals n over z- 0 times x n y 0 plus n over 1 x n minus 1 y 1 plus n 2 x n minus 2 y 2 plus plus plus. Did-do-do. Anyway, it goes on and on. And Newton was like, hey, look, I found a theorem. And that's pretty big. 
What? Uh, that theorem is a, an what early man? basis of calculus. What happened? So if you're wondering what calculus is good for in the world... Nothing. Uh, calculus is the reason we have Netflix. Uh, calculus <laughs> is the reason we have economy. This episode of the Narratives is brought to you by Calculus. Yeah. Um, calculus is a great new way to do math that'll hurt your brain a lot. Yeah. But Give it a try. Also, it you know, gives us economy. It gives us electronics. It gives us electronics. You know? What else does it give us? It gives us weather patterns. Uh, thanks, Newton. You you gave us a lot with calculus. He just identified. He's not like he gave us weather patterns. What? No, he, yeah, I mean, he... He just identified the calculus can be used to predict. Yeah, sort patterns. of. It, it can be used to find uh, changes. Yeah. Here. So, like, you can point out any point of a change because of calculus. So, like, if you were to look at this... Point change to this point, calculus finds the changes. That's the best way to describe it. If you're a super mathy person, then you know, then we probably won't be sense, friends you know. in real life. <laughs> Just kidding. We're all so yeah, gonna be he's got this early basis of calculus, and it really helps him later on in life. So, uh, the university closes because of the plague, and then uh, it really just adds to the the br- beautiful world that Isaac Newton grew up in, which also... The plague? Yeah. That really added to the beauty. And the 30 years war that went on before that. Ah, oh, beautiful. And, beautiful. Um, ah, so just, nice. <laughs> just horrible Britain. Like an kings. angel's case. Yeah. So, so beautiful. Uh, at Cambridge, he also is supposed to have been... Ha- his apple epiphany, I guess, is the best way to put it. So you know the whole story about like Isaac Newton sitting under a tree, and then Bonk. all of a sudden an, an apple falls, and he's like... <gasps> I get it now. Gravity's a thing. Wow. I feel like that's not true. No, it's not true at all. Like sounds, basically, sounds in his totally later life, fake. he was he made up the story for like I don't know publicity. I don't know what he was doing. He was in his later life, he was kind of crazy. So yeah, he was a bit of a nut. Uh, yeah, he made up this story, and uh, every scientist modern day ever, if you ever ever ask him, be like, hey, so you think Newton really got the ideas for gravity because of the apple? They'd be like. More like, yeah. no. I was watching this documentary. It was really funny. Um, <laughs> this one guy, uh, super science guy. I recognize him, but I don't remember what his name is. He's the super British rec- uh, science guy. Anyway, they asked him about this apple, and he's like, I highly doubt that a fruit caused the explanation upon gravitization. Like, no, it was a vegetable. It was. <laughs> it's like the weirdest way to phrase it ever. It just, it's not exactly what he said, but it was really scientifically a way of saying, like, no, nope. didn't do it. So It's and, just so dumb to think, like, this apple fell on my head. Now I understand. Yeah. I mean, he said that he realized the th- same thing that the apple fell was also keeping the moon in orbit. So he was able to, like, realize Earth and gravity. But, like, it's much more easier for him to understand, hey, two objects accelerate at the same point. They're accelerating towards something that must be accelerating towards the center of Earth, right? Because if two people dropped objects in, I don't know, like Cambridge, and then other two per- people dropped objects in, like, I don't know, what's north of Cambridge? North Cambridge. North Cambridge. <laughs> they landed at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, they're all going towards the Earth. It's pretty... I mean, people didn't understand that. It's kind of tricky. They're like, I drop a ball and it falls, but it's because the Earth's flat, so... 
Duh. Yeah. <laughs> so Isaac, yeah, he came, he came up with this whole idea of you know the it, it wasn't it likely wasn't in at Cambridge either. It was after you know I mean he worked at Cambridge, but it was after his schooling. Yeah. That he came up with this whole idea, and he was able to prove it through calculus, and and this is where calculus helped him out. So. At first, at this point, you could calculate, and it was known that you could calculate the speed of a falling object. So they could, they understood that velocity um, v equals d over t, so distance divided by time. So if you measure the distance that the object falls, and then you measure the time that it takes the object to fall, you will get the velocity. So you get meters per second, right? And they understood that. Now, Newton understood that as an object fell, it accelerates. So it technically does not reach um it's not constant speed so when no. that's what people thought so when you dropped an object it appeared to fall you know it never i guess they didn't it appeared to acceleration yeah there was no such thing as acceleration really back then it was just like velocity it was speed yeah. but acceleration is the speed of what like if you were to slow something down when you drop it you know it's going from zero meters per second to 0.1 meters per second to 0.2 and on and on and on until it gets to that um Peak the velocity. standard, yeah, the, the peak velocity, but it accelerates at the rate of nine point eight meters per second per second. That's acceleration, and acceleration isn't measured in newtons because of that. Um, yeah, that's where we get acceleration from because he discovered acceleration, right? Hmm. That's Curious. why it's called a newton. A newton is the um, ex- explained as the force it takes to move a mass um, from rest to its its work, basically. Yeah, you know. Any work you do requires a newton, and a newton of force is the general to move one unit of mass to movement, essentially. Math. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's um I don't remember exactly what and I mean I have to smack my physics side because I should know what newton is. It's a kilogram meter per second, I think, or per second second. I don't know, but better now. That's be what a newton is anyway. And so I barely know who Newton is. Little yeah, little what a Newton is. So he came up with this whole um, acceleration idea, which really changed a lot of things. And he was able to do that with uh, with uh, what, what's the word? Calculus. That's that's the word. Thanks, so, calculus. Um, he he was looking for a way to find the acceleration of the object, uh, but the problem was you couldn't figure out the acceleration because that means you had to really sort of get rid of the time. Because it doesn't make like it. So oh, this is where it gets yeah. a little bit difficult to explain. So <clears throat> I think I kind of get it. As an object falls, like you have to get rid of time, but you don't have. So time it still exists. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting here anyway. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> so time in the equation still exists, but it has to be a really small value for you to be able to discern the differences between this point to this point to this point, especially if you're measuring, you know, a drop of five feet. Right, so if you drop something from the top of your five foot little head because you're a midget, roasted. Yeah, um, the time like you're immediately like I could drop my phone. You know, if you just take your phone and you drop it in your hand, it takes less than a second, right? Yeah. So to measure that would be, I don't know, incredulous. It would be like, if that's a fun word, it would be really hard to measure that as a time. So we had to figure out how to break down the time interval. To a measurable constant, you know. So incredulous just means extra hard. I guess I might have used the word wrong, but I don't know. it's a fun word. I get a migraine, so I'm not going to absorb anything you're saying. Yeah. But so he needed to figure out how to make time smaller. So he used his ideas of um, early 
early um why am I keep forgetting the name of it? Calculus, early calculus to divide the, the time into basically an infinitely small number. And this huh. is before calculators. So it's like, it's not nothing, but it's infinitely small. So it's like barely, it is not even close to, you know, yeah anything. But it's not nothing. So it's, it wasn't nothing because if you got rid of time it completely, then there'd be no acceleration. So we needed some sort of that. And and that's how we came up with the whole acceleration con- um, thing. And then he was able to figure out, you know, objects always drop towards Earth at 9.81 meters per second per second. That's the whole uh, acceleration thing, right? Yeah. You following? No. <laughs> I know the listeners are, and I understand vaguely. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll explain it again and again. So it was, <laughs> Yeah. And because of the whole idea that two objects accelerate towards Earth at the same time, it was a sort of build-up that there must be some sort of um, force drawing them in. And if they accelerate towards at the same time, there must be some sort of constant going on. That's the gravity constant, 9.81. So all objects will always accelerate at the same speed on Earth. You know, it changes, you know, towards the moon. It accelerates way slower, which is where you get the Neil Armstrong video of him with a feather and a hammer. And the reason you can't use a feather is because air resistance on Earth, hmm. which is, you know, why the feather yeah. floats. So on the moon, he's got a video of him with a feather and a hammer, which is a dramatic, you know, obviously a feather is way lighter than a hammer. And he drops them and they both land at the same time. They had to bring a goddamn feather. Yeah, they brought a feather the, to the moon. To the moon. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about a lot of that stuff as we come on what? anyway. So I also brought this beanie baby just for <laughs> moral support. <laughs> yeah. And there's a beanie baby on the moon. No. Um, we should leave one on there. Yeah. Let's get Neil back up there with a whole bunch of beanie babies. So. Maybe a webkin, Neil. Um, Isaac basically, yeah, like we said, he fixed the whole too small thing. So, he, he you know, a number that was infinitely small. So, you could really calculate the differences yes. with his uh, whole calculus. And it's actually Latin for small pebble. What is? Calculus. Oh. So. Um, which is basically where Isaac got the idea, you know, to get really, really small. So it's like a small, you know, a pebble's already small. Yeah, a so small like, pebble's like that's a millimilla. Yeah. Uh, and that gave, basically gives you the idea to measure change continuously because you can, any point is not similar because it's infinitely small. There you go. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, simple distance by divided by time averages basically equal 9.81 meters per second. That's the best way to put acceleration if you want to really dumb it down. So distance divided by time averages equal 9.81. If you measure that, I don't know why I wrote that in there, but that's that's just a gravity thing, right? We already went through. So Newton basically didn't like that. And he, yeah. wanted, to, okay. he uh, wanted to find a more accurate speed at every single point. So we needed to get rid of time, like we said, but not completely. And uh, so we just made it tiny. Yeah. So it doesn't matter anymore. This is also another weird thing that he did after that. So we, we got that all covered. He's, um, for whatever reason, he's got all these notes that he wrote down. I mean, that's a good reason. But in one of these notes, he talks about how he stuck a needle in his eyeball. Whoa. To look at the colors of the needle. What the fuck? Yeah. He's like, he's like I got to study this, the needle colors to see how needle become colored so he's oh, like it looks red he describes oh, it. that's like, just I my stuck a needle in my eyeball and like looked at all the colors and stuff and 
I was like, why would you do that? And he's like, oh, I figured out a safer way to do it later on, but it doesn't matter. A safer way to stick needles in your eyeball? Yeah. <laughs> What's the safer way? By not sticking it to the ear. He looked at prisms from there. He was just interested in light. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, after that, he wanted to examine light a little bit better. So he, he used the, a prism to examine light. At this time, there was a hypothesis that Old white light. Hypothesis. Yeah, white light was pure. So white was a color, essentially. You know, there's you can see green in the plants. You can see brown and wood and all that sort of stuff. But white coming from the sun is also its own color. You know, every once in a while you see a white flower, right? That's it's its own color. White now Isaac isn't the color Newton took a prism and he shone white light through it. He basically you know put it up to the sun in a room. And there out came a rainbow. So from white light, an entire rainbow came out. You it know, was like, yo. That's <laughs> not white light. So obviously, I win. Um, and then he went and took this a little bit further. He took a second prism and he, excuse me, he put the second prism over just the ray of red light and it shone just red light. So he was able to realize, you know, what we can see is the color colors. spectrum. Yeah, we can see the color spectrum and that's made from... Uh, white light is the combination of all the colors. Yeah. Red light from white light is red light. We know that blue light, he, you know, after you've done it, done it once, he didn't go through every single color and was like, oh, blue light's just blue light. Green light's purple light. What the heck? Uh, Interesting thing lights. I learned. Yeah. The indigo in Roy G. Biv technically doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't really exist. Indigo doesn't exist, so it's technically Roy G. Biv. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Roy G. Biv. So, yeah, it's just a, basically a, a made-up, Color. Because he was like, it Convenient. looks better when there's uh, an even number. Yeah. Uneven, I guess. Seven. No, I don't care. Dang it. Yeah. Colors were never my strong suit. So, yeah, he's got that going on. And, and um, I know I said it would be a shorter episode. So, yeah, we're wrapping this up closer here. It's actually getting to the end of his light. It, sorry, not at the end of his light. His life. <laughs> the light of but, yeah. his life. So, uh, he he um, did all this. And it, it helped him build a new uh, telescope. Because at the time, Galileo built the first sort of functioning telescope, as we said. But the problem was the colors, right? Yeah. Every object had colors, and that was because it used a prism. So he figured that out. He was like, oh, look, Galileo's telescope used prisms. Oh, I can fix that. All I have to do is um, change the prism to a, just a lens and a prism and reflecting. And so The concave-convex yeah. lens combo. So he, he used some uh, lens and reflecting mirrors and stuff and uh, made, an. I think it was like... Eight feet, not eight feet. No, um, yo, eight a shack long telescope. Something eight. Yeah, he made like this telescope that was that was basically like a handheld telescope, and was able to magnify greatly, like thirty times as much as uh, Galileo's telescope, which was great. Um, and it could also it didn't have the fringes of color, so you could, everything that you saw through the telescope was the same as if you were using your naked eye, right? Oh yeah. Um, jeez. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and hell yeah, it it magnified better, and oh, yeah, it, it was smaller and and easier to move around. Oh. So we built this telescope. <laughs> that last one was so great, and uh, he just thought it was like this sort of toy. He's like, neat. Anyway, it's a toy. So he gives it away to his friend. Um, his friend, I think, is Boyle. I don't remember who his friend's Boyle. name. Boyle. Uh, Robert Hook. Sorry, nope, not Robert Hook. Um, Robin Williams playing the character from the movie Hook. No. <laughs> No. That was a good movie. Um, I have it later on here. I'm just going to figure out what who he, 
because it's um it's got to do with his in 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 I want to say indictment, but that's not the right word. Um, to there, there's a universe, there's like a, a king's court kind of thing that we're in a bunch of scientists. So um, sounds like a bad video game. Yeah, it does. So basically, you know, well, whatever. He gives this uh, toy telescope to his to his friend, and then the that friend sells it to the king, and the king makes a Newton part of the royal society, and that's in 1671. No. So he just went and gave a demonstration of the telescope in the Royal Society, and everyone was like, great. And um, they, he, he was part of the Royal Society of Scientists, and he's like, oh, great, I have all these ideas to bring. And so he brings all these ideas to the Royal Scientist community, basically. Hey, y'all. Um, Look at this. The Royal Society. Thing. And um, immediately after he brought them in, he had to pull himself out of the Royal Society, basically. <laughs> Everything he published, everyone in that society was like, mm, oh, yeah, I already did that. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. Newton, you're not the first one. No, I already did that. And like, while they're, they're writing notes frantically, being like, "Oh God, <laughs> he's so smart." That's funny. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's it's really dumb and really unfortunate because Newton's like, "Look, light has all these different colors," and everyone's like, "Everyone knew that, Newton." Guys, did you know that? No. Okay. Oh, this is gonna go on my sin journal later. I, I knew that, Newton. I knew that before anyone else did. And everyone's like, what? Uh, Patrick, you little liar. Yeah, basically. You never so, knew about that. The same thing as like Rene Descartes did. So. Get out of here. And, and he pulled out because everyone was criticizing his ideas that he were fundamental to science. And yeah. the very first time they'd ever come out and everyone was like, I already did that. And everything. What a weeb. Yeah. There's literally a paper that came out that, that literally, like, not direct quote, but if you were to layman's terms it, Basically said that everything Newton has discovered, I already discovered. So boohoo, Newton sucks because he, uh, you know, he didn't discover anything new, and I already knew it. You sure that's not a direct quote? Yeah, I'm positive. <laughs> okay, I don't know actually. <laughs> so, um, ab- soon uh, around the same time, he um, he ba- uh, was became the professor of mathematics. I was at became professor, uh, which is actually the same. Um, was the same title that Stephen Hawking shared. Oh. He, he actually shared the same office as Isaac Newton. Whoa. Stephen Hawking. From like literally the same time. I believe it was untouched. They didn't, you know, everyone who would use that office had previously agreed to like leave it in Isaac Newton's state. Yeah. So it was like untouched and unmodified since like there's still some papers in there from like Isaac Newton's like secret stash, I guess, like his sin journals hanging around. Yeah, baby, <laughs> get in that sin <laughs> journal. But yeah, um, he was now the professor of mathematics at Cambridge, and um, he also published this paper called in uh, optics. But immediately after he published it, Robert Hooke criticized his ideas, and Newton hated criticism in all forms. Anytime anyone was like Newton, well, even if it was just a light criticism. Like he'd even like, like constructive criticism? Yeah, he'd be like, I can't. It's mm, and run away, basically. Really? But Robert Hooke was just like needlessly criticizing. Robert Hooke was like, I don't believe in it, Newton. You are trash. More like nerdin, am I right? Up down. Yeah. So he re- withdrew from basically all debate and never published any of his material. So he held on to calculus, this like mind blowing mathematical formula that allowed you to, you know, do anything. And calculate anything. He held on to that. And uh, he also held on to his gravity. You know, how gravity... <laughs> <laughs> he held on to his own gravity. His That's gravity formulas, that, that kind of proved it. <clears throat> proved gravity existed. 
I mean, people knew that things were held together, but they didn't know how. It didn't make a lot of sense. And even after Newton published it, he's like, look, two objects will always attract each other. And people were like, that doesn't make sense. There's nothing between them. And Newton's like, I know, there's nothing between them. What the heck? So, but nowadays we understand. Gravity's... What is the deal with gravity? Yeah. Am I right? And um, in 1679, now, he's, he returns to work on uh, celestial mechanics. So that's a little bit after he's been a professor at Cambridge. He's done a lot of talks on optics and color and, and light. Yeah, yeah. And now he's uh, going back to celestial mechanics. A, how nutty is he right now? Like on a scale of he's one He's like nut. pretty sciencey and pretty, like, I don't know. He's, as far as like a mad scientist goes, he's pretty sane. Okay, good. So like he's on the way. I know he's a kook later, but yeah. I guess right now he's... So did. he references uh, Kepler's law of planetary motion, which, which couldn't really explain spherical orbits. So... He basically provided proof saying that, like, okay, so if the planets orbit around the Earth, then we would assume that they're in spherical orbits. But when I do the math, spherical orbits don't work. What Literally, about an ellipse, like, though? Huh? Isn't, there, isn't that like an ellipse, what we have going on now? I guess that's what Isaac Newton said. But yeah, that's what he thought <laughs> it was. Yeah. He, he actually provided mathematical proof. So what happened was he had some uh, exchanges with, with Robert Hooke. Um, who had earlier criticized him, but he, he forgiven him now, I guess. And he had some exchanges, and Robert Hooke brought up the question about how spherical orbits couldn't work as Kepler's law, you know, proved. And Isaac then provided proof. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, they're elliptical. And Robert yeah, Hooke is like, what? How, though? And Isaac is like, oh, yeah, here's my proof. And so he exchanged a couple letters, and he sent, you know, mathematical proof of how elliptical orbits are... You know, they explain the positions of the planets. Yeah, I just watched a video explaining how that works. Yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. So it's literally just um, the inverse, I, th I believe. It's like, you know, uh, th the best way to explain it, the planet gets close to one on the far side of the ellipse, and on the other side of the ellipse, it gets close to two. So imagine that, like, the ellipse, does that make sense? Yeah. So it, it doubles the distance. Yeah, of course. So on one side, you know, at some point the Earth gets the, really close to the sun, which is our summer, and it gets far away from the sun, right? The moon, like the winter, that kind of thing. Yep. So that's how elliptical orbits worked. And he, he kind of um, yeah, explained that. And then he also had to now prove that gravity was, was a thing. So after Robert Hooke, Robert Hooke's like, this is big. we got to talk to the science community about this. You obviously have proof and it makes sense and it all works out. And so he's like, well, I may as well, you know, come out of the closet about my mathematics and <laughs> da, 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 da. so he he came up with this set of laws that would explain gravity and would have them work in every situation and these laws essentially still work today but yeah. problem well yeah they don't work on the super large scale and they don't work on the super small scale and also, they sort of don't work on the medium scale, but... <laughs> they kind of work a little bit. They do, yeah. They allow us to make accurate predictions of where things will be as opposed to where they are. That makes sense. So you can't ever... There's there's later, and we'll talk about it later on, but there's like this little formula that basically says that no matter what, you can tell where something is, and if you know where it is, you don't know where it's going, but if you know where it's going, you know where it could be. So you, it's it's really like... It's a paradox, so... yeah. But Isaac Newton, before any of this, he knew that this he could explain gravity through three fundamental laws, and we know these laws today. So number one, 
He's got um, the first law, law of Newtonian physics states every object, and this is in Newton's own words, every object persists in its state of rest of, or uh, uniform motion in a straight line unless it is compelled to change that state by forces impressed upon it. So what that means is an object in motion stays, stays in motion. motion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, force is equal to the change in momentum per change in time. For a constant mass, force equals mass times acceleration. That's just the force, ex- you know, a Newton yeah. is equal to... F- um, Mass times acceleration. That makes sense. Yep. And then his third law, for every action, there's an there's equal, equal and opposite, opposite reaction. reaction. So we could use these laws to, you know, all of a sudden prove a, sh- a ton of things, like a, a, an incredible amount of things, you know. He could say that if you have a cannon on a, I don't know, like a rolling, rolling like platform. Like a dolly. Yeah. It explained how when you shoot the cannonball, the cannon goes backwards. If you have a rifle, you know, you shoot the rifle, the rifle goes upwards, that kind of thing. That's yeah. the opposite reaction. He explains how that um, the object will not stop unless it's stopped by something. Yeah. And, you know, people were like, oh, but, you know, a bullet will always keep going. And he's like, well, if you look far enough, the bullet's going to hit the ground, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, a cannonball always will hit the ground. And he actually explained this in another way. He's saying that um, objects in motion will stay in motion. You know, I can prove this. Look at the moon. The moon's always in Give motion. Give me that cat. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, you know, living. He head. made this thought experiment sort of thing. Um, he said that if you were to put, you know, at the highest point of the Earth's orbit, a cannonball, and you were to shoot that cannon at a highest enough speed, eventually. So at first, if you were to shoot it at just a low speed, the cannon's eventually going to curve and it's going to hit the hit the Earth, and you're going to be yeah. like, okay, it hit the Earth. You shoot it at a faster speed, it'll curve around and it'll hit a quarter of the Earth. So it'll go around the radius of the Earth, and uh oh, flat Earth. There's there's a radius. So I'm actually a donut earther. It goes around the corner of the earth, and it hits, you know, if you were to look at a picture, it would hit the the right side of the earth, even though the cannonball is being shot from the top of the earth. Yeah. You f- you shoot it farther still, and it's going to go all the way around and hit the bot. It's literally going to hit the other side of the earth. Hit that booty. Of the so it's going to hurt. It's, you know, if you shoot it from, I don't know what's the opposite end of China. Eventually, China. Anyway, if we were to go for the America and China thing, it, it hits China, right? <laughs> Don't take notes, That's Trump. bad geography. <laughs> yeah, no. Trump's going to be like, ooh. These kids are brilliant. <laughs> so, one of the you, best. You shoot it even farther, and again, it'll hit the, you know, the left side of the earth. You shoot it far enough and fast enough, it's going to eventually hit itself. And if you, well, you get hit to the that cannon, point. it won't hit Yeah, itself. it'll hit the cannon. And so he said, you know, if you remove the cannon from that operation, then it's traveling at a fast enough speed and far enough away from Earth, it'll just be traveling around Earth orbiting. And that's how satellites work. So there we go. We have a, a intense explanation about gravity. We said, you know, it'll be constantly moving towards the center of the Earth and it's not stopping in motion. So we know that every object in motion stays in motion. Yeah. Boom. We got that proved. Uh because of my equations and the way you work out the math, you know that the force equals the mass times acceleration. Boom. You know that. That's a Newton. And now you have um, the third one, every option. Every, sorry, not every. Every action has an equal opposite, opposite reaction. reaction yeah. So, boom. It's proven. And we can still understand these today. And even if you take physics today, you still take these. This is the modern basics, or this is the basics of all modern physics. However, it all gets changed around when you talk about E equals MC squared, which we'll get into when it all gets super confusing, but we're not talking about that now. We're just going to talk about the end of Newton's life now. By Newt. Right? So um, after this, he basically has some troubles with Christianity. 
which and is mental which is a weird way of, of having troubles so he still believed in christianity but he found a paradox saying oh um, i love when people find truth yeah so it says in the bible that god has no um no one is greater than god or whatever you know what does it say uh there shall be no god before me or whatever yeah but he said if that's but we say jesus is equal to god that means that if there's an equal, then... Yeah, why are we worshiping Jesus? We should be worshiping God himself instead yeah. of his son. Yeah. If and there's so no man that. greater than God, why are we worshiping this kid? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the basis of all Christianity was around Jesus at this point instead of God. Um, and he he didn't like that. He, he thought that was a problem. And so that was his problem with the Holy Trinity. He said that, you know, if there's a Holy Trinity, then shouldn't there just be God? Like, it doesn't make sense. But this was issue. If you were to ever say that, um, he'd be like publicly sacked. Dear Sin Journal. Yeah. Today I told the truth. <laughs> uh oh. Um, later on in life, he. Uh, this is where he gets a little bit kooky. So he he gets really kooky and um, accuses John Locke, the same John Locke of uh, you know John Locke liberalism. Yeah. He, he accuses John Locke of trying to seduce him with women. Um, and it you, said John Locke ran a brothel. And, so um, that was correct. No. <laughs> Seducing with women, that's correct. Yeah. that it's not. It never happened. He just accused him of doing it. He's oh. like, ah, John Locke tried to seduce me with women. And John Locke's like, I literally... It didn't work, so... No, what like, literally, John Locke had nothing to do with anything like that. <laughs> no. So he was like... He's like, I don't own a brothel, Newton. It succeeded. And Newton's like, sorry, I haven't slept in five days. And they're like, oh, you're okay, Newton. Sometimes I get cranky when I don't eat a Snickers. Yeah. Um, in 1705, this is this is before John Locke thing. I just forgot to include it. 1705, he was knighted when Queen Anne visited Cambridge. Oh, good old yeah. Cambridge. And uh, by the end of his kooky career, he wrote a prediction about how the world would end in 2060. 2060? Yeah. How so? He wrote a mathematical prediction saying that, like, oh, based on math? I don't know. It's... <laughs> It's stuff that they only recently discovered in like 2005 when his mm. stuff went up for option, auction. Sorry, um, it's he, up for the option. He found he had this mathematical formula that was like 2060, the end of the world. That's when Jesus says it's gonna happen. Sorry, God said it's gonna happen. Yeah, get out of here, Jesus. And um, yeah, other than that, uh, for a little while, the the missing part of his life, he became a warden at a mint. Uh, so like where they minted coins he yeah. was a warden and apparently he like disguised himself as people who went and like worked there he, he went like, in full drag yeah he disguised himself and he was like ah I've caught you stealing from the mint that kind of thing so he was just, just like working really egg-headed I don't know stupid Weird. yeah and uh, that was just a little bit of his life um, in the mint for the most part we know Newton um, to have these fundamental laws oh and I also forgot uh we have to go way back. I totally forgot about this. He was also an alchemist for a long time. Yes. Immediately after becoming professor, he bought a whole bunch of alchemy books and got his, like, alchemy set up. And he did a whole bunch of alchemy. And the weirdest thing, this is probably the, the start of his kookiness, was he thought that Greek myths had ingredients. <laughs> so he's like, the hermaphrodite mentioned in Greek myths is, uh, you know, the human. So if it ever mentions hermaphrodite, you have to use human as an ingredient. A little and bit of cinnamon. On, yeah, he's got a, like a whole bunch of notes that said like, "Oh, here's my translations of Greek myths." Here's how to make a. And so he did hydra. a bunch of things, and he and he uh, studied alchemy. Basically, nowadays we understand that alchemy gave us modern science, the scientific, um, the the basis of alchemy, not chemistry. However, alchemy as it came to be was scientific notation or scientific notation. I think no, not notation. Scientific method. 
Sure. That's you have a hypothesis, you work it out, and you note down what you've done. And you have to repeat it. And you repeat it a bunch of times. And if it re- makes yeah. the same thing, then you, you've done it. The experiment's only valid yeah. if it's repeatable. And they, they, you know, they mess with all sorts of elements. They had early elemental tables, and they, you know, mess with mercury and iron and, and all that kind of stuff. Yike. <laughs> So he played around with alchemy a lot. And you can actually, um, people nowadays have seen his alchemical recipes and reproduced them. And there's this one called the net that he called uh, because it had a net-like shape to it. And they they recently did everything that Newton said and it created the same object. It was just like a crystal with a bunch of nets. And he's like, this is a step closer to the philosopher's stone. And they're like, actually, it's just weird chemistry. Yeah, it's just like a weird crystal. (laughs) So yeah. That's um, Newton's life. He was a weird, wacky kid, and then he was a wacky, wacky dude. But wacky, he gave wacky us, guy. He gave us, um, because for whatever reason, he wanted to think about stuff. He gave us calculus, because he was thinking, and he's like, hey, look, a calculus. And then he was thinking some more, and he's like, hey, look, gravity. And then he's like, look, Newton's laws of physics, and I'm a genius now. Neat. Boom. I mean, he never wanted to be a genius, but he... No. Um, well, and also the whole light thing, but yeah. At this point... In time, he's the best scientist there is around. Yeah. There is. He's like the best. He's got the most uh, proof, and he's got the his three laws of physics that work in everything that they can possibly imagine at that point. Invariably. Yeah. It always works. And so he's, you know, if you can find something that always works, and you've just created it, yeah. you're brilliant. Uh, Newton died in his sleep. He's, um... Oh. Yeah. He <laughs> was abrupt. Yeah, after the whole, you know, deranged thing, he died in his sleep. He was sick for a long time, and he died in his sleep in London on the 20th of March, 1727, or 1726, depending on the calendar. Um, Next up, we're going to talk about a few people. We're going to talk about Brooke Tyler, Bernoulli, Thomas Savory, James Watt, and, um, and other discoveries that really just brought us closer to the moon than anyone at the time could have imagined. And then we're going to move on and, and talk about 18th, or sorry, 19th century scientists. But for now, we're still stuck in the early modern period. And before we're done, I actually want to interrupt with a bit of a gay news bulletin. <laughs> I'm only going to do this once because it's topical. Last episode, we discussed how basically uh, NPH was like kind of forced to come Neil Patrick Harris. And they had all these rumors about him. Mm-hmm. The same thing recently is starting to happen to Channing Tatum. Really? People are spreading all these rumors that he's been like seen. It's so vague. So it's weird that this still happens. Because hmm. as soon as we talked about MPH, like a week later, Channing Tatum is going through almost the exact same thing. Yucky. Which is kind of sad. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Leave Channing alone. Yeah. He's just a small town girl living in a lonely world. He doesn't need your stress. So that's um, that's our science weekly so you can look forward to every sunday coming out uh we got science stuff that's going to bring us to the moon and um next wednesday after the neil patrick harris episode of course you can check out the billy the kid episode yeah that's what we're talking about next billy also the kid, go listen to the sugar. song billy K- billy the kid by billy joel which yeah. is one of the best billy joel songs to get you in the mood yeah and uh, we'll see you then bye then. adios